Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Back here, happy to have you with us on a Monday afternoon here on KNBZ. I like this next study because I suspect what's going to happen is we're going to talk about this and we're going to talk about all the reasons why researchers say opposites don't attract. And then I'm waiting for everyone to call us and tell us how you are totally opposite from the partner that you've happily been with for 50 years or whatever it is. (laughs) Yeah. And then how it works. That's what I'm curious about for people because this is what the study says is that opposites actually don't attract. Meaning, um, we tend to look for partners that share more of our traits than are different from us. For those that are very different from their partners, I'm curious to know how you navigate that, how you figure that out. Yeah, because, I mean, (laughs) it all depends on how you stack the criteria. Right. When we talk about people being opposites, what are we talking about them being opposites in? So, they covered, right, and I think that's, That'll be important for us to talk about because it probably it matters. They looked at 22, 22 traits. This was like one of those big things where they look at research done on research. So they looked at 22 traits across nearly 200 papers dating back to 1903. Wow. Then they did a new analysis of 133 traits in almost 80,000 opposite sex couples in the UK. And they said research showed couples often shared core beliefs, values, and hobbies, which is interesting too. Um, okay. Um, the things that varied the most in couples were height, weight, medical issues, and personality traits like introverts and extroverts. That I think is interesting. Okay, so see, when you talk about people being opposites, that's generally what I'm going to gravitate toward in my mind is thinking, okay, one of you is really outgoing and loves to be at parties and things like that. And the other one's kind of a, a homebody who, you know, enjoys being at home on the couch a little bit more. And and I can see where that would be an easy one to navigate. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious, did religion make it into the mix? It did, in fact. Uh, Research found that couples likely matched in areas like political and religious views and education levels. Heavy smokers, heavy drinkers, and people who abstain from alcohol tended to pick partners with similar habits. There was also a correlation between couples with the same birth year, number of sexual partners, and whether they were breastfed. (laughs) 
Okay. I wonder how that comes up in conversation. Right. Uh, and so, how is that a factor at all in who you decide to be with? Yeah, no kidding. It's, it's like, uh, how, first of all, does anybody even remember that? But, okay, that aside, because uh, I know there's a big row going on right now about how long to let your kids breastfeed, so I don't even want to get into that territory. But, yeah, do you find that if you've been with your partner, your spouse, your whatever for a long time, that they are like you or that you find that there are more things that are different about you than that are the same. I don't even know how you, you gauge that because it also depends on where your priorities are. Right. If, if religion means a lot to you, mm-hmm. then I think that's going to be easier for you to have somebody who is of a similar religion to you. But if it's something that is part of you, but not something that you take necessarily as being the first thing that's important to you, mm-hmm. then maybe, you know, if the differences are going to matter less the farther down they are on your own personal list of what's important. But they said the big figure in this was researchers found people who partnered up tended to be surprisingly similar among the traits they analyzed matching up over 80% of the time. So it's wow. 20% that were totally different in 80% matches. Yeah. Um, yeah. When it comes to even, even things like uh, national origin, you know, I'm, I'm not thinking about it in terms of race, but you know, if you're from here and you married somebody from Germany or you married somebody from Russia or somebody from China or whatever, the, the you know, those differences, those background and, and cultural differences, how much of a difference do they make? 913-586-7798. We can go to the phones here. Scott, first up out of Osawatomie. Hi, Scott. Great topic, John. You, you got it. I'm a Canadian married to an American. She has a double master's. I'm a high school dropout. And, and it's and how, how long have you been married? Ten years. I finally found a soulmate. And that's what it took. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I met a girl at Bass Pro of all places to meet a girl. Okay. And- <laughs> now, that goes to the hobbies thing, though. So mm-hmm. why were you there and why was she there? Uh, we were shooting pistols. There you go. So that the, all of a sudden there is something in common, even though yep. a lot of the other background information is opposite. Correct. She's from a uh, gated community. I'm from an auto worker family. Wow. Wow. Okay. How now? How did your families get along? Uh, great, great. I mean, uh, they were all they were all hard workers to become successful at what they did locally. Here, they were just they come from. Dirt floors in West Virginia, her her father. So anything they did, they understood. It was just, I just come from a poor automotive working family. And made it to the, uh, they made it to the country club and you're out there plugging away at it. Yeah. And I truly, I, I always, I don't buy lottery tickets because I won the lottery when I got my wife. Really <laughs> wow. I feel the same way, brother. I'm Very right nice. there with you. Uh, all right, they, uh, Scott. That's great. Thank you. Um, yeah. So, you, well, you predicted it, Jamie. You said that you know the first people we're going to hear from are the ones who consider themselves opposites, which I think is interesting. Again, because I want to, I want to know more about how that works. And I'm, I'm asking myself, what are the hardest differences to navigate, to be opposite on? Mm-hmm. Like, um, like the first thing that comes to mind is if one of you is really good with money, and one of you is really bad with it. Yeah. It's good that at least one of you is good with it. That's the person that's paying all the bills. But do you fight then about money more? Because one person is spending more and the other's not. That's right. That's where it's going to cause the friction. Unless you find yourselves in a position where you're independent, where, where it doesn't matter. Where right. you know, the one that's bad with, you know, quote unquote, bad with money can go out on a spending spree. And it doesn't matter that much. 
But if you're working paycheck to paycheck and then all of a sudden somebody spends $500 you didn't know about, okay, mm-hmm. we've, we've got a problem here. We have something that has to be fixed. So, um, yeah, how, how much, you know, again, it's, it's all about priorities uh, and, and what you find important in somebody else. But I am trying to think of the, 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 the people that I know who are married and have been for a long time that I consider to be the most unlike each other. And in those cases, they still, you know, what's funny about it is, is the ones who I, I consider to be more unlike each other than like each other. The one thing that they have in common is they spend almost all of their time together. They're together a lot. Interesting. Uh, okay. Where, you know, the, I, I've got friends who, you know, he'll go out on a guy's weekend with the buddies and go out, you know, hunting or whatever, and she'll stay home. And and that's you know, but they they tend to be the ones who are a little bit more alike. Um, I don't know why that is, but they, yeah, that just occurred to me as I was just kind of running down my friends list in my head. I want to talk about the extrovert introvert thing for a second, yeah. um, because my parents were that way. Um, my parents were married 19 years before they split. High school sweethearts, so they've been together a really long time. And my mom, that's where I get my extroversion from. Is my mom is is all out there and has a lot of friends and and was never a homebody. And when I was a kid, my dad was very much a homebody and he was very soft-spoken and just very, just kind of a quieter person. And I think that caused problems for them because my mom wanted to be out and doing things and, and, and just out more. And he really just wanted to be at home more. And I think that caused trouble in, she didn't want to be at home and he wanted to go out. And so I, for couples that I know where one's more introverted and one is more extroverted, I just think, does that ever cause friction because the introvert doesn't want to go out and do as much stuff and the extrovert doesn't want to be at home. Yeah. I I can see where easily it would. And and it just comes down to what do you allow for that kind of, I mean, Jen and I have been through this uh, a couple of times because we don't, neither one of us minds, you know what I mean? Uh, She's, she's going to go off. I I went off on my trip to Buffalo to go work on my sister's car about a month and a half ago. And I was gone for four or five days. She stayed home and and kept care of the dogs and all of that stuff. And, uh, and that's fine. And and when I told her, this is what I want to do, she went, Oh, okay. I'll see you when you get back. And you know, come October, we're going to do that exactly the opposite way. She's going to go out and, and I'll be waiting for her when, when she gets home. And it's just, if if you're okay with that, with allowing that kind of um, slack on the leash, I guess in a mm-hmm. weird way, then then it's okay. Uh, but you know, if if I I think the, the the number one killer of relationships like that is jealousy, and it's a matter of if you don't trust. Okay, if you say okay, I'm going to go out uh, with my friends tonight. Okay, what are you going to do? Who are you going to see? What's going to happen while you're out and I'm home? that if that level of trust isn't there, then that's where the friction is going to come from. If you are in that situation, extrovert, introvert in your relationship, give us a call. 913-586-7798 so we can get uh, further into that one. We'll take a break. Still to come this hour, there is news out about the assessments that were being done in Jackson County. Apparently, a lot of people who made appointments to go and appeal theirs didn't show. We'll get to that still to come here on KMBZ. Paula Abdul and a cartoon is how I remember this video (laughs) for this song. Um, So they don't actually, is what a study has found, is that about 80% of the traits in couples usually align. So 
we talk about that a lot, but actually people tend to seek out people that are like them. How does it work for you? We'll go to Devin and Miriam and find out from him. Hey, Devin. Hey, so, I mean, my I've been dating the same girl for seven years, and we are big opposites. The biggest thing is compromise. Like, I'm a money saver. She likes to spend money. So we compromise of, okay, well, not this week, you know, but this week you can go buy whatever or i'm a she likes to go out and about and i'm more of a homebody you know so i compromise about okay we can go you know let's go out or you go out so it's it's really just the compromise what makes us work so well together so yeah and that makes sense i mean it's it's all about give and take um right now now i'm sure and i'm going to hit this before the text line does because i know it's coming they're going to go well how come you've been dating for seven years and you're not married though (laughs) well so (laughs) my me she wants to get married i haven't got married because i've had a lot of bad not me personally but i've grown up with a lot of bad experiences with marriage yeah um, so that's why I haven't decided to ask her to marry me. She wants to. We're getting close to that point. I just, it's just something on my, you know, and then also with the mentality, I grew up with the mentality of we guys don't gain anything out of marriage, essentially. Um, you know, if a divorce happens, she still gets half of everything, and that's what it is. Um, that's just the way I got raised, not the way I technically see it, but that's just the way I got raised. So we haven't just decided to pull the trigger on it yet. <laughs> Even the metaphor, pulling the trigger. All right. Uh, <laughs> Devin, I appreciate it. It's interesting stuff. Um, yeah, I, I, I think he's right about that. I mean, on the things that you differ on, if you're willing to give some, it's going to mm-hmm. help a lot. Yeah, and sometimes it's a good thing, right? Sometimes that being different like that, you teach the other one something yeah. or, or introduce them to new things. So it's not always a bad thing. Yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll go back to it. Tiffany in Kansas City is up next with us. we got more calls coming in. Hi, Tiffany. Hi. Um, I was just going to say that I, my husband, he's a very big homebody, and I'm, I don't necessarily have to be out. I just don't like to be alone. I just like to know that there's someone to talk to if I want to, but I am more social. So once a month I make him go to karaoke with me and that's kind of our compromise. But the weird ironic thing is, is that if we do go out and we're in a crowd, I'm more awkward if I don't know a lot of people there. Oh yeah. Whereas he is very, he can get along with just about anybody because he's very respectful as long as he's respected. So I call him my antisocial butterfly. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And he always corrects me on it, but I was like, you avoid social situations, so you're antisocial, but you're really good at it. That's really funny. Yeah, my, my oldest my oldest son is almost exactly like that. He was the kind of kid who, at four or five years old, could walk into a room full of adults and own it. I mean, you know, talking to everybody and all of this stuff, and I'm like, what? What? Who are you? <laughs> but he just had that sort of natural ability to him. That's that's a great talent to have and hone. Yeah. All right, Tiffany. Thanks. Thanks, Tiffany. No problem. Appreciate you getting in. We'll keep going. Uh, Dave, next up out of Missouri. Hello, hey, Dave. guys. What's going on? You, Dave. Tell us about it. Well, uh, I've been married to my wife a little over 30 years. Uh, we're both recovering alcoholics, and that's probably been the, the clue that's kept us together. But as far as personalities, 
uh, and personality traits, we're like 180 degrees apart. Really? Uh, she's yeah, she's real trusting. Uh, she wants to trust everybody. She wants to love everybody. Uh, I'm not so much. I'm always kind of looking out of the corner of my eye at you, you know, like, what's your angle? Mm-hmm. What are you trying to get from me? You know? Right. But over the years, um, and that, that's another thing, you know, we, neither one of us has ever tried to change the other. Okay. That's huge. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's, yeah, it is. And I'm like you, John, I, I definitely married up. Yeah, but uh, over the years, we we have have learned from from one another. uh, I guess I've become a little more trusting, and she's I I think she's uh, and she probably learned the hard way a couple of times. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe she doesn't need to be so trusting all the time of everybody. Uh, Just stuff like that. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and a lot of times, and Dave, thank you. Thanks very much for the call. A lot of times that kind of thing works in your favor. If if your outlooks are 180 degrees opposite on something like that, because you you work as a sort of a, a mitigating force on the other one. So mm-hmm. the, the, the couple is going to be taken advantage of less and you're going to be a little bit more open because of the influences on both sides. Yeah, it's funny. Um the hobbies was on this list too of like having hobbies the same and you just kind of think about what your deal breakers are and you know and the kind of stuff that you're willing to settle for and not i have in the past dated people who don't travel like i do and what what ends up happening is they are okay with me traveling solo i don't enjoy that as much if i'm with somebody i want you to go with me and i've just kind of learned that that has become something hobby wise that i i need to be in common it's it's one thing to have the experience it's another thing to share the experience yeah and you're right it does it it makes it better i say that having just come home from a solo trip but but that's most of the time that's not the case most of the time we do go together especially if it's going to be a vacation where it's just a total you know shut the brains off and go because that gives us the opportunity to go out and explore and show each other stuff we might not have seen otherwise yeah and some texts are coming in on this too um yeah i just think it's it's we're getting a lot of people telling us about the opposites but really the study says that it's not it's not as common Mm -hmm. to be fully opposite so all right thanks everybody for getting in here uh we'll take a break coming up next uh there are several stories out about assessments in jackson county there's a meeting coming up this afternoon where some questions are going to be asked we've got numbers on um the appeals and who's going to their appointments and who's not and we might be hearing a little bit more about what the problem was so we will get to all that coming up next here in kmbz call from mom answer it call silenced instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game that's why they make ordering from your couch easy Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 
Back here with you on a Monday afternoon. All right, three o'clock this afternoon is when representatives from Tyler Technologies, that is that third party vendor that helped to run the assessments for Jackson County that got all goofy, uh, representatives are going to go before Jackson County legislators at three o'clock this afternoon. Why will that be interesting? Because they're finally going to get the chance to ask them some pretty direct questions. Boy, howdy. Yeah. How long do you suppose it's going to take before this entire thing is blamed on computers? Let's see. It starts <laughs> at 3. Uh-huh. 3.05, maybe? 3, 3.10 p.m.? <laughs> I, um, boy, when, when I started hearing all of this stuff that, uh, you know, there's been talked about this and the fact that so many of the properties that were coming under question were given exactly the same dollar amount on the assessment. Yeah. And it was a weird dollar amount, too. It, it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a round number, like 350 grand. It was like 362, 270 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and a bunch of these different properties, including one, I heard Dana and Parks talking about this, that was an empty lot that was tagged with that number. I thought that's yep. a computer glitch. That, I mean, that is 100%. A bunch of information was fed into a computer. And the way sometimes the coding happens with these things is it has a number in mind that's a median, that's somewhere like right, right dead center. So if there's missing information that it considers vital or if there's information that it doesn't have or information that was incorrectly input, then the computer fritzes out and says, it's this, and, and has that default number, and it's usually somewhere in the center. So I'm guessing that may explain some of it, but there's still a lot of questions out there about the number of assessors, the number of homes they were supposed to go by and look at, and if they ever really had the opportunity to do that. Yes. <laughs> and my other question is um, about the appeals and, and, and how you're coming to your conclusions. You know, how, how did you get to that number is the biggest question. Yeah. Because then you have people that are going through these appeals process and meeting with these people, and they're getting their assessment taken down by like half. Well, if that's all it took, <laughs> yeah, was to have a meeting and then take it down by half, and it just—it's so much money that we're talking about. Um, yeah, then, I, then hopefully then, they'll be able to explain it, right? Because then, then the question becomes: Okay, if if I met with you and showed you pictures of my house and showed you all of the information, and you took my assessment down by half, why did you screw it up? In what, the first place, yeah. Right. Why Why was it input at, at double its value if it wasn't there? Because as we've heard them say over and over and over again, by law, they have to get as close to fair market value as they can. How do you overshoot fair market value by double? So then the Jackson County Assessor came out and said, and keep in mind, there are 54,000 people appealing. 54,000. Uh, the Jackson County Assessor came out and said... You know, all these people made these appointments to have their uh, their bills reassessed. Uh, this is Gail, uh, Gail McCann Beatty. She said 50% of those appointments have been no-shows. So part of me wonders, is it, um, are you just mad and you just don't show? Or <laughs> was it hard to get an appointment? Yeah. Or Because like we heard about the number of people that waited for so long to try to get in to see somebody. But what's up that half of them are not showing up? And by the way, and this is where we can get to you on the phones. If you're one of them, if you put in for an appointment because you thought your assessment was way off, how did they notify you when your appointment was? And did they give you enough time? 
because this all happened very, very quickly. This has all gone on over the period of a few weeks. So um, if if they, you know, if they send you a piece of mail, if they send you a postcard or something that has your appointment listed on it, and your appointment is the next morning at 8.30, well, yeah, mm-hmm. a bunch of people aren't going to be able to make that because they can't make arrangements that fast. Yeah, they said um, those who do not attend their appointment are automatically scheduled for a second appointment, which takes place after all first-round appointments are held. Well, that's going to take a while. Appeal appointment information is sent via email seven to ten days before the meeting. Email, okay, so that explains it. Uh, yeah. Because how often do emails get lost? Frequently. <laughs> We've had it happen. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> where, where something really important comes up and it's like, oh, I missed that email. Sorry about mm-hmm. that. Yeah, and I just wonder how many people, not everybody can take a day off work yeah. on seven days notice. Some people are lucky that they can, but not everybody can tell their boss seven to 10 days out, I need that day off or the afternoon off for that appointment. Sure, yeah, yeah, I said 8.30 in the morning. What if it happens at 12.30 or one o'clock in the afternoon? All of a sudden that screws up your entire workday. And what if they're running behind? Like you said, what if your appointment's at 12.30, you took the day off work or the afternoon off, they don't get to you, you sit there all afternoon, you can't take another day off. Like you can't just keep sitting there waiting for those appointments to happen. Yeah. So now it's going to have to go through the entire round of 54,000 or however many don't show up uh, different appointments. And then at the end of that, they'll go back through and start scheduling another appointment. But at some point they, they said, if you just don't show, then your initial assessment sticks, even though you file an appeal, it just stays there because you never showed up for the meeting. It's like fighting a traffic ticket. You know, if, right. if you fight it and then you don't show up, well, guess what? You're going to get slapped with the initial fine. Texter, this is exactly what we're talking about. Somebody said on the text line, they only gave me a two-day notice, and I wasn't able to get off work. There it That's is. That's exactly it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Boy, it, it, didn't, it didn't take a whole lot of thought to put that together, right? Yeah. <laughs> that, gee, I wonder if this is what they're doing to people. Yeah, so that when they say seven to ten days, apparently they're saying that seven to ten day figure, coming up with that the same way they assessed your house. Because if right. it's two days, then we've got a problem here. And it's going to take so long to get through these appointments. Like, aren't we going to be on next year by then? Uh-huh. I mean, it's going to be time to be doing the assessments again anyway. It's just such yeah. a mess. It, it all goes back to the initial problem of, of people saying, okay, if it's it's been the law for a long time that those uh, the assessments had to be at market value. Mm-hmm. So if it just doubled, even though the house, it, its real value only went up by 15 or 20 percent over the last year, because a lot of us did have that happen. It's not a bad problem to have. But right. but if it only went up by 15 or 20 percent and yet your assessment doubled, did you screw it up this time or did you screw it up last time? OK, so the texter who said they got the two days notice texted back and said they offered me a 15 percent adjustment and two days notice. How much was your, how much was it off? How, what was your, what was your assessment off? <laughs> yeah. As far as what you think, how like much, 15% significant or not? How much more was it than last year? Right. Cause if it, yeah. I mean, if they doubled your assessed value and then they offered to knock it down by 15%, that's not really going to solve the problem. Yeah. This meeting this afternoon will be interesting um, because keep in mind, this is Jackson County legislators asking questions of Tyler technologies, not the assessor. Mm-hmm. And at some point, I wonder, um, is the Jackson County assessor going to have to answer for this somehow? I get that it it was the company that did it, but you just got to wonder, 
Did you have any clue how they were going to do it? What was the agreement? Yeah, well, and, and what they're really going to have to do, in addition to looking at the technology, looking at the computer system and the, and the spreadsheet that somebody mentioned on the text line and all of that, is they're going to have to go to the assessor's office and say, you know what, all of your assessors who, who say that they drove by these places, we want to see their notes. We want to mm-hmm. see what they wrote down at, at, while they were there that made them do this because... I, I mean, there there is a tremendous amount of suspicion that despite the protestations of the assessor's office, that those assessments simply weren't done in person. Right. Yes, because of the number of people who have said, there is no way if you had seen my property, you would have raised it by 40 or 50%. Yeah. There's just no way if you had seen the outside. The other question I asked the universe about stuff like this is, is there any way for assessments to take into account the interior of your property? like for the assessor to see the inside because the outside can look horrible or look amazing and the inside can be totally different. Sure. And if you're right in the middle of a renovation, it's going to look like death on the outside. But once the renovation's done, then all of a sudden it's going to look really great. One texter just said, I got my notice two weeks ago that I have an appointment on October 3rd. Okay. So it's horribly inconsistent is what we're realizing. Uh, did, uh, Did they give you a time of day? And and is it convenient to you? And is it the kind of thing that you're going to be readily able to adjust your schedule so that you can make that meeting? Do you have any control over that? Any control whatsoever over the time? Can you tell them? Doesn't sound I need like it, it to be morning, or for us it would be afternoon. Um, yeah, I have questions about like how many people does Tyler Technologies employ? Can, can you double the number of people that are? addressing these appeals can we run the appointments later in the evening can you do them on weekends i mean yeah just the yeah the impression is that somebody was just you know hitting copy and paste on the numbers right and it it can't be that at least i hope it can't be that it, it can't be that simple but I, it wouldn't surprise me to see that there was a computer problem that was involved in all of this we'll see we'll get a little bit more information later today yeah, three o'clock is what that uh is when that meeting is okay moving on here um to this form required in a school for your kids to have nicknames. Where was the story out of? Oh, the, um, I did, Pennsylvania? yeah, it was Pennsylvania or North Carolina. I'll, I'll have to check on it, but yeah, the, uh, Spotsylvania. Yeah, you were right. It was Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, so out of Spotsylvania schools comes this new form, a policy that was adopted last month by the school board under a policy called ensuring privacy, dignity, and respect for all students. So if you're the, the deal is if your kid is William and goes by Bill, that's OK, because that's a, a regularly, you know, even uh, Jack for John. Those those are things that people regularly do, uh, shortening a name from Robert to Bob. And mm-hmm. that's fine. But. Uh, in fact, yeah, they give a couple of examples here on the form, Ch- changing Joseph to Joe, Jennifer to Jen, Char- Charles to Chip, uh, mm-hmm. Elizabeth to Beth. That kind of thing is OK. But if your child uses a nickname that isn't directly related to their given first name, you have to have the parents fill out a form and sign it before the school is able to recognize and use that name inside the school. OK. I'm going to give the school the benefit of the doubt for half a second because I'm looking for I'm looking for the logical reason. Why? why. Yeah. Yeah. Why? What's the reason? What's the good reason other than just creating more paperwork and, and all kinds of things? And the only thing that comes to mind is, is there um, like a bullying aspect to that where you want to make sure your kid's not lying about what their nickname is? 
being picked on, whatever it is, you want to make sure that the nickname actually is what they say it is. It, it's the only place my brain goes, but I don't know how doesn't logical seem, that is. Doesn't it seem like the kid could tell you that? <laughs> you know, we don't trust the kid to, to yeah. be honest about it. I mean, when when the principal calls the kid in and says, uh, "We heard some people in the uh, in the schoolyard calling you squishy," is that okay with you? That the kid would be able to say, "Yeah, you know, I really kind of hate it," but they also have been calling me squishy since like second grade, so it kind of <laughs> uh-huh. stuck. Uh, and and then this, you know, the school could step in. But if it's anything other than that, I mean, wh- what are they worried about? The, that. A, a nickname is going to be assigned to some kid against his will. If is this more common than I think it is? Nine one three five eight six seven seven nine eight. Yeah, how is this a problem? If um, it is, somebody tell me. Somebody on the text line said they don't want gang names. Yeah, maybe these are elementary school kids though. Right. So I, I don't know how many elementary school gangs there are. I guess it's possible. Uh, still, in all, it, it just seems like yet more overreach. And of course. One of the other reasons why people are going to freak out about this is that your preferred pronoun is also on the sheet. So oh if, if you want to use something like that, then it's got to be, you know, the parents signing off on it as well. But that, yeah, that's what we need is more heads exploding over that stuff. Text line 913-586-7798 uh, if you want in here. Some of you are texting in about the stuff that you have to do as far as this. Okay, we'll go through some of these. If you want to give us a call, we'll talk more about this next year on KMBZ. So we're talking about the story out of Pennsylvania, and you have a school that if your child wants to change his or her nickname, parents got to fill out a form and have to agree to it first. So <laughs> is, is this more needless paperwork or is there really something behind all of this? Kelly is at least someone who wants to address it. Hi, Kelly. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that this is to target kids who are LGBTQ who want to change their name and go by something different than their given name. And I, I really think that's, I think that's where this is coming from. I don't think it's coming from, you know, I'm squishy and <laughs> I've well, been so squishy I. for the you last don't? five years. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I, I think, I really do think that this is all, this is all about, um, this is all about the kids who are non. I think about non-binary kids who who want to change their name to a gender-neutral name. Um, I, I know a couple of kids who've done that. Yeah. And um, and and I say kids; they're teenagers. Um, but. I really think that's I think that's who they're they're really targeting. Why have mom and dad fill out a form? Uh, and you may very well be right. I, I mean, that, that makes perfect sense. But I'm wondering what it accomplishes to have mom and dad fill out the form. I guess I guess all it accomplishes is that you've you have somehow notified the parents that you know if they haven't shared with their parents that that they're non-binary or that they want to go by a different name, they're ensuring that the parents have that shared with them. Now, that, now the problem with that is is that some kids don't share those things with their parents yeah. for very good reasons. Sure. Um, because they feel like they're not going to be accepted by their parents, and and that's why they've tried, you know, kept it a secret. So I I, I don't like it, but... Because I, you know, I would, I don't, those kids have enough things to deal with. Having to deal with the school wanting to out you on top of everything is, 
not helpful. No, that does seem a little yeah. awful. Um, yeah. All right, uh, Kelly, thank you. I, uh, yeah, I appreciate it. I hope, I hope that's not what what's underlying this is an attempt to out somebody. But I mean, in that context, it makes sense. It makes you wonder why. I mean, I remember this from when I was little. That the first day of school, the first day of class, the teacher would call out your name as it was written on the sheet. And if you wanted to be called something else, you said at that point, yes, I mean, I had to go through this every year because I am a Jonathan by birth, but I don't use it. It's cumbersome. So, you know, they just go, Jonathan Grayson. Yeah, I'm John. Okay, fine. And then that was it. So it seems like that that's really all that matters. And really all that matters is what the kid wants to be called. Yeah, text line's got some interesting opinions coming in, too. Um, yeah, somebody said the parents should know everything that's happening at school. They can't. Nickname? Nickname, though? Yeah, there's no way. No way at all. Uh, we can keep going here. Beth has called us up next out of Independence. Uh, actually, we lost Beth, but oh, we've got we uh, we've got more uh, calls coming in, so we'll wait on that. Somebody also pointed out, yes, but you're right. Spotsylvania is Virginia, not Pennsylvania. Uh, but, yeah, either way, that, that's that's where this all started from. But, um, yeah, I mean, in that case, uh, of, of all the things to, I guess, be that concerned about is a nickname at school. Have you ever gone by a nickname or something other, something not related to Jamie? No, I laugh, but no, because I just have never, there's no way to shorten Jamie to anything. <laughs> and so there's, there's no alternate version of it. You could be like a JJ or something, you know. The only thing I ever do is I frequently sign as JME. I, I take yeah. out, I, but it's just how I sign things. Just a, out of laziness sometimes. And it kind of, it, it spells the same way. I mean, you, right. you, if you said that out loud, you would come up with Jamie. Yeah. Um, yeah. The first radio station that, that was like my home, um, we all had nicknames. I mean, there was a flounder and a fingers and I was slice. And I, I mean, we all just had these mm-hmm. things that were, you know, that were assigned to us by our various hosts. And it would just, you know, I mean, it just kind of worked out as long as we were all cool with it. Nobody really cared. Yeah. All right, let's see. I think we have, oh, teachers on. Uh, Autumn in Blue Springs. Hello, Autumn. Hello. Um, I'm not skipping work. I'm off today just so that everybody does not think that <laughs> we teachers don't do anything. We were thinking you're just sitting <laughs> well, there with, in the you... teacher's lounge with your feet up. We know how you are. Yeah, yeah. eating popcorn. Um, no, I happen to be one of them that's on the four-day school week. So I was listening oh. as I was running errands. Um, the reason why I know in Missouri is because there was a huge lawsuit a few years ago in the St. Louis area, where someone sued because they were calling a kid by his non, he or she, I'm not sure if it was a boy or a girl, their non-given name, and by their non-given pronouns, the parents sued because they were not informed of this, they won, and so now school districts are afraid they're going to get sued if they don't have parental permission. Wow, I'm going to have to look that case up because I'm wondering how in the world they won that suit. So what your kid was called and they wanted to be called, wow. Yeah, it was, I now you can we're allowed to call them a derivative of their first name yeah. or a middle name without permission. But if it is something that is we're common like Michael and Mike, we're not allowed to do without parental permission and we have to ask if there is parental permission and my school district did it we ask our counselor or admin and then they ask the student if they can call and get permission and then we get permission. Huh. Wow. wow. Uh, uh, thank well, and, you. I'm, so this is going I'm on everywhere. I, it, a lot of school districts. A lot of school districts don't, aren't afraid of the lawsuit. 
um, and still we'll let them have a preferred name or preferred pronouns without permission, but a lot of Missouri school districts are afraid of being sued. I can't remember exactly where it was in St. Louis, but it was around St. Louis, and people also need to realize we live in a red state, so that's why it went through. Okay. All right. Uh, Autumn Thea, thanks very much for the call. That's something. I, I, I've met some controlling parents in my time, but how dare you use that nickname? It has never really come up with me. Let's see. Do we, no, we don't have time. We're up against break here. Sorry. Uh, I know we have callers on hold, but the clock wins every single time. Such so. as it is. Yeah. Yes. All right. Thanks, everybody, for getting in here. Uh, we'll take Rick. Uh, coming up in the next hour, uh, there are discussions about what should be done with the Statue of Liberty, about whether it should be, quote unquote, cleaned. Get to that and more coming up in the next hour here on KMBZ. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.